episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. I'm your host, Woody Overton, and... Jim the Hitman Rathman. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> so y'all, we're here, Jim and I, and if you're in the crew page, you know it already. We made our, our partnership official and all the real life, real crime logos and merchandise and everything. Is, and now if you read the fine print, it says real life, real crime, Woody Overton and Jim Rathman. So that's official. That's the first thing I want to say. Second, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a, a great thing. And um, secondly, I want to say thank you to all our fans, your lifers. We love you. Your patron members, we love you. Uh, everybody. And and thank you for supporting us and, and listening and liking and sharing. We passed 500,000 downloads last night, Jim. That's unbelievable but we're going to get to a million very soon but we got all you guys to thank for that for sharing the, the posts supporting us uh, all the wonderful comments we couldn't do this without you guys we thank you and we love you for it yeah absolutely so the y'all that's a half a million in just over eight months and we're growing at a phenomenal rate i i expect that we'll hit a million by christmas so which is all a testament to you lifers we love you we appreciate you uh jim just real quick before we do today's episode, um, we just want to touch on on Courtney Coco's case. The we're doing dropping this regular episode, and it's late, uh, but because we're waiting patiently um, as we can for Courtney's case to conclude, we're hoping to hear something anytime now. But you have to understand, it's this is Courtney's case is a active homicide investigation it's not an entertainment podcast and so i mean jim yeah couldn't agree more um active homicide investigations sometimes you feel like all right tonight tonight it's gonna happen and then something else comes out you have to cross all the t's dot all the i's and you know unfortunately there's a few people out there that want their answers now well quite frankly we don't give a crap what you want we're going to work this case with the family. The family deserves the answers after 15 years. And when the answers are there and this and, and it's it's rock solid to where we know we're not going to lose this case in court, then the arrest will happen and things will move forward from there, but you know, we're not going to we're not going to stop what we're doing just to appease a few people that want their answers right now. Look, if anyone deserves the answers right now it's the family. That's sure, right. not somebody that's only been listening to this for eight weeks. Right, right. And so the thing is, y'all, uh, the don't ever think for a second that we've gotten off Courtney's case because we haven't. I mean, we're still getting calls. I got a, I got a tip 
like three o'clock this morning, a, a phone tip that came in and it was, you know, a lengthy one. And all these things still have to be looked at. So, but y'all continue to like it and share it. And we will bring this case home when it's the right time. And hopefully it'll be we've sooner. Had, we've had stuff coming in all week. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working it and we're going to get all the information that we can and pass it along to where it needs to go. But we're not off of this case. Well, I mean, it's actively being worked, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring it on. I mean, equated if if you, and Jim, I know you've been to war, but listen, I want to the listeners to equate it. If you knew you're fixing to get into a gun fight, uh, um, certainly you would want as much ammunition as you could before you go into the gun fight. And so, if the district attorneys and law enforcement wants to take time. Because Courtney's been deceased for 15 years, they won't take time and gather up a few more bullets as as this information continues to come in. That's just that's the way it's going to be, y'all. So we don't have to say too much more about it. So until then, well, great, and that's a great way to sum it up. That's right. And until then, what we're going to do is it, we will drop the weekly episodes like we used to, where we tell stories and like we're going to do today. So um, yeah, I mean. I appreciate y'all bearing with us. You know, we're, we're unedited, raw and unscripted. And so, uh, this is late. We've never, we've only one other time since real life, real crime has been in existence. Did we miss our, our Friday deadline? And that was the week last week when we were still waiting, uh, hoping that we'll be able to bring in news about Courtney. So, but y'all appreciate you just putting up with us and, and, um, you know, we're, we're going to do what we have to do. Yes, we will. All right. So we're done. We're, today's episode. Oh, let me back up for a second. The, I hope y'all enjoyed the opening music from season one. Huh? I don't want no sugar in my coffee law. It makes me mean. So y'all got that today and you got it. we got a special patron member out there, uh, who requested and doesn't want anything. And she, she really, really gave out of her heart uh, um, donation wise to help us continue the Courtney's investigation. So I, you know, Hey, I love that song too. And, and it'll be, it'll continue to be on all patron episodes. So you know who you are out there. That one was for you and uh hope y'all enjoyed it. Everybody else. I know we, we get comments about the old music every day. Every day. So, uh but we're going to keep it on patron and tell them Jim, who's, who's looking at doing something special and unique for real life real crime well i'll tell you what this wonderful man and his band chase tyler the chase tyler band uh he's a phenomenal phenomenal guy out of denham springs louisiana he makes great music he's going to be he's going to be top of the charts in just a matter of time um he's a big fan of real life real crime and at the same time we're a big fan of him as well and he's doing wonderful things, and uh, I think he's going to write an original piece for Real Life Real Crime, and we couldn't be any more excited about that. I think it's phenomenal news. Um, very excited about that, and you know, uh, if you if you go to his Facebook page, like his band, and follow him, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. This guy will be on the top of the charts. It's only and, a matter of time. And he's already had a couple hits, y'all, the uh, country music hits, and so... You go check it out. Chase Tyler Band. Google him. Uh, he's actually being inducted into the Louisiana Country Music Hall of Fame the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving at the Texas Club in Baton Rouge. And we're, cer- we're certainly going to try to make that uh, if, if we're in town. So Chase Tyler and his band, y'all rock. And, and we love Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And, and uh, so y'all go give him a listen. Hey, he, 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 did, he released a song uh, about Louisiana. And if you go watch the video and everything, a lot of that shot in Livingston Parish, the film footage is shot in Livingston Parish of the swamps and stuff like that. So if y'all want to put a little video to these stories that we tell you about, go check them out. And uh, uh, I know the videos at least on YouTube. I went watched it several times. Uh, I loved it. It's priceless. So all right, y'all, keeping in the swamp theme, kind of today's episode. It, I mean. It's a tragic thing, uh, uh, but it's a real life, real crime case. But it kind of has some levity, levity, whatever you want to call it, um, 
lightness to the end of the story, but it's titled Cajun Queen. All right, so I think it, yeah, I think it was in uh, 2004, Jim. I, I'm not, I get my years mixed up. It may have, it may I, get a little, I get a little smile on my face when you say that. So you all will understand at the very end. Yeah. Uh, we're going to save it till then. All right. So <laughs> regardless of the year, I get a call. Jim and I were partners uh, in detective. We get a call from Tina Stafford, who was the secretary of detective office. She said, hey, can you come in? We got a guy uh, who has a complaint. And it's all right. And, and it was a rape complaint. And so we go in and Tina actually came out and, and talked to us. She stopped us in the hallway. She said, look, the, the guy, he he's, wants to file a complaint against, I mean, we know him. She said, I, I actually have one of his, uh, CDs in my desk. And she said, I mean, he's pretty, pretty popular. And, um, and I said, okay. And, and, and she said, you know, he's saying that, this guy raped him and it's okay. So um, I said, can you bring him down to what at the time was Stan's office? We didn't have any inter- interview rooms, y'all. The, uh, it, it must've been early June because the narcotic. Yeah. It must've been 2005 because the narcotics office was still down that stairwell. So anyway, we, uh, we, we brought him into what would have been the chief of detectives office and he wasn't there. So we used it as an interview room also. Um, and this guy, we're not going to say any names, y'all, on this episode because to protect uh, victims, and it's just it's just not necessary. But so we're going to call him Sam. Uh, um, so we get Sam, bring him down to the the office, and we shut the door. Now Sam, Sam is like I'm six foot two, and he was taller than me. And uh, um, yeah, he's probably six four. Yeah, he's a tall guy and young. And, and we get him in there. And now look, I don't care if I don't care. I don't judge people by their faith or their color or their sexual orientation or anything like that. So this is certainly not about that. But the, when Sam sat down and we asked him his name and told us his name and, and, uh, you know, tell us why you're here. And he started in, I could tell right away. That is kind of, I don't know what we call it, Jim. I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct, Fem, feminine or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. You, you'll see why I'm saying it in a second. But what he, what he said was he went to this guy's house uh, in Livingston Parish, and this guy is a minister or uh, had his own ministry, actually. And he said he went to the, the guy's house and that the, the guy pinned him against the wall and took his pants down and anally raped him. Um, and I was like, okay. And I mean, how do you know him? He, he, what do you say? He was being kind of standoffish, Jim. I, I didn't yeah, believe he was telling he, us the he whole truth. He wasn't forthcoming with everything that was going on, you know, and, and um, you know, we asked him some, some particular questions to give us those answers, but he was kind of avoiding it. There, there was no doubt in my mind that he was there for a legitimate reason, y'all. Uh, that, but you know, the spidey senses or whatever you want to call them going off, and and uh, you know, he was telling us this, and he was, he gave the details of the rape and stuff. But when I asked him how long you, you know you knew the guy for, and he said, "Well, I've been going to church with him, you know, uh, for a long time," and et cetera. So. Jim and I went out in the hallway. We excused ourselves and went out there. And I was like, "Hey, dude, what do you think?" And and we came to the agreement that you know there was there was more to it. We just needed to like peel the layers back on the onion, find out what this was really about. I, we didn't know what it was, but we just knew it was something, right, Jim? Yeah, I mean, some of the times you can tell when you're talking to somebody, and you can just see it in them in their face and their expressions and their body language when they're forthcoming with the information and they're telling you what happens because it's on the forefront of their mind and they're spitting out the information. But then when you ask another question, you can tell the pullback and where they're not really forthcoming anymore. And it's a, it's a big stall and it's an avoidance and it's trying to divert your attention to something else to get away from that question. And that's, that's what we were both picking up on. 
And so we knew there was more information to it. Now we got to draw it out. Right. So our options were, y'all, I mean, if, if we believe it, the guy was Sam was being credible with us and everything, you know, we could take in a statement and, and all that and uh, got a warrant for this other, the preacher guy and all that. But we, we weren't comfortable in doing it until we got to the bottom of everything. So we went back in and sat down with Sam again and let him go through his story again and just told him, Hey, Hey, Sam, I have hundreds of thousands of hours of interview and interrogation. I said, you're not telling us everything. I said, you're holding something back. I said, it's about y'all's relationship. I said, listen, I don't care if you're gay or bisexual or whatever. We're not going to sit here and judge you. I mean, we're not some dumb. Yeah, not some dumb, illiterate rednecks, you know, that are going to judge you if you you and this guy have been having sex or whatever. I mean, but there's more to it. And Jim pressed him pretty good. Jim. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was trying to get him to say what it is that he needed to say. And, and, you know, you know, you've got to know that he's got friends in this and, and that, you know, whatever it is that you need to tell us, whatever it is you need to say, it, it's going to be okay. You're, you're in that safe space and, you know, letting him know that. And a lot of times when you can get them to feel a little bit more comfortable about the situation and the surroundings, because they are, after all, saying it to strangers, um, you know, you can make them comfortable and get them to understand that you're there to help, um, period. And that's, that's, that's our focus is to find out what's going on and to help, help them. Let's hear your story. Right. And so we pressed on that more to get him, get that guard down, get those barriers down so he can be more open and fluent with his conversation. Right. And so what he does, y'all, he admits that, you know, he has had sex with this minister before as in we press just a little bit more. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, just because you consented to have sex with somebody before doesn't mean that he didn't rape you this time. Right. I mean, it, um, I, I, I believe he was telling the truth. But I said, you know, what else is there, dude? I mean, you're holding on to something. He's just, kind of hung his head and he was real soft-spoken and he said well he said you're right we we you know we've had sex before and he said and i said well, when was the first time you had sex and he said i was like 14 i was like oh shit here we go and, and i said you know tell me about that and he said well it's gonna it's gonna be more to tell and i'm like okay um, we're all ears dude we're here to help you you know um and jimmy you want to tell what he said yeah um you know he went on and said after that that he that there was was it the the niece the niece and the nephew yeah yeah um that they basically had been the niece and nephew which have been filmed um, having a sexual relationship done by this minister. Minister was recording it. Right. And, and y'all, what he, he said was, uh, it started on Sundays after church and it was generally during the summertime. It was started during the summertime and when they didn't have school the next day. And he was very close friends with, with this guy's niece and nephew. And then they, he got invited over, uh, on Sunday after church, and he said it started out innocently, innocently at first, but it ended up that the niece and the nephew and he would do sex, sexual things together, and that the minister would film it. Um, right. And he said it went on for like, you know, the whole summer, and then it kind of it set a pattern. Yeah, it set, it set a pattern, and he said, and then it he, he said that the minister would just have sex with him. And he said, no, the minister didn't engage in the actual sex acts, uh, especially with the female and the, the niece. But I mean, it is what it is. So now we're, we're looking at a whole bigger picture here. Um, and the, the, the niece and the nephew now are adults as well as Sam. And so right. it, it was, I think it was, it was getting late in the evening. It was like on a Thursday. And, and the, um, so we, we took his statement and it got as much detailed information as we could and said, Hey, look, you know, 
you, do you, you know, you feel safe? Do you feel like he's going to come over uh, where you're living or something to rape you now? And he was like, no. And I'm like, well, then we need you to just go home tonight. Uh, um, and so we gotta, we gotta reach out to the niece and nephew. Right, Jim? Right. I mean, we, at this point, we, we got all the information we could from him. Uh, we went over his statement numerous times and we got all those facts. But like in any investigation, you have to cross all T's and dot all I's. And therefore, we needed to talk to the niece and nephew, and it was going to take a little bit of time to track them down. So there wasn't much else we could particularly do that night, considering that he wasn't in any type of danger of this person coming over to his house or anything like that. Um, we, want, we were going to go ahead and continue the following morning. Right, right. And, and the reason we did that, y'all, is just like on, on – Law enforcement on Courtney's case, but we we wanted to get more ammunition if we could get it, and also validate that everything this guy's saying is true. Plus, if if this minister is filming kids, you know, even though it's been many years now, was filming kids, you know, that's evidence that needs to be collected. It's just a lot of stuff in an investigation. It's not like you see on TV. So the next day, we go we go to the uh, niece. First, when we found out where she's living, well, guess what? She's now married, has two kids, happily married, has two kids, and doesn't. She said absolutely that she did not want to um, do anything about it because her parents would kill her. And she said her husband didn't know, and you know, pretty much just begged us not to say anything about her whatsoever at all. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you have to honor that. I mean, she's like 23 years old. Exactly. She, she doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want to come forward with it. There's not much we can really do about it. And, and, and it's unfortunate. right. And then, uh, no, I mean, it really is it really unfortunate, but she certainly said that it happened, uh, uh, and kind of backed up the story to everything that Sam had been saying to a certain degree. And then we find, the her brother who is in college and i'm not gonna tell you where he went to college uh, um and he's i he was a senior in college like had, 20 or 21 yeah he had had a 4.0 gpa and he's the same thing he's like man my mom and daddy will murder him he said he said i don't want anything on on the record etc and and he's he just he Basically, verbatim said the same thing that Sam had said, and and and, and that his sister had said. He was like, "Just don't, don't want it." He said, "I, I, you know," he said, "I'm all man." I mean, he said, "I'm gonna tell you that." And I'm like, "Hey, dude, we're not questioning your sexuality. I mean, we're, we're alerted that you're probable victim of a crime." And he was like, "I don't want. It. I, I'm not filing any charges, and I, my family cannot find out, or they will absolutely lose their shit." Well, we, we got to respect it. I mean, and so, but we did do, we go back to the sheriff's office and we typed up a warrant for the, the minister's arrest. And we also typed up a search warrant for his residence. Cause he was still living at the same place that the sex acts took place many years before. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you tell them about the warrant, Jim, what, we're, what we were looking for. Well, we're going, we're going to look for the evidence. So uh, how was it recorded on the camcorder? Is it on his computer now? Is it on, well, I don't believe it was on the cell phones at that time. Um, but where did he have, did he have it on a, you know, was it saved on a disc? Um, did he upload it to an internet email? I mean, we don't know. So we have to go in there and search for whatever it is that he has. It could be, could be pictures. Um, so information could technically be anywhere. Yeah. Within that house. And y'all for the, the, this, there's two types of, uh, offenders profiling on kids. It's situational or preferential. If you're a pedophile, you're one or the other. Now the situational offender is like the, the ice cream man who snatches a kid up in the neighborhood and rapes him because the situation was right. They don't plan it out, et cetera. But this guy, as so many people are, and, and the big story out of Livingston Parish, whatever the, the, this past week, but preferential offenders, they groom their victims and they abuse their position of a pow, power and authority, whether it's as a minister, a teacher, a cop, 
whatever. And they, they get their victims slowly. They introduce them to more things. And, and once they realize they're not going to go run and tell or whatever, then they get into it. But all under the profile for the preferential offender, almost as important for them to commit the sex act is to record it. And so we, even though it'd been like, I don't know, I think like, they want to relive it. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the fantasy and, and the masturbation to it over and over and over again, the, the, um, it stimulates them mentally, not only on the sexual side, but because they're smarter and they got, you know, they're smarter than everybody else. They've been getting away with this. I mean, hell, it was his niece and nephew, you know, much less Sam, right? So, but they, they will absolutely record it. And that's what we're, what we're looking for. So we got the warrant sign. We got a, uh, a couple more detectives and we went to the guy's house and, um, supposedly they Sam had never seen any guns and he wasn't, wasn't a violent guy, even though he said he forcibly raped him and got him, got to the house, knock on the door. What happens, Jim? Uh, yeah, he came to the door. Um, so once he came in, we identified him and we, uh, at that point, let him know one, uh, we had the arrest warrant. So he was under arrest and two, we had a search warrant and that we were going to go in and we were going to start looking for the evidence that we needed to collect. Yeah, and and this guy y'all was was short, kind of frumpy. Five five. Yeah, kind of frumpy. Five, yeah, frumpy, frumpy. heavy set, or whatever you want to call it. The um, and I'm a, I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, mm, you know, on the forceful rape thing, and and Sam's like six foot four. Six four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but not to say that it, you know. Sam was lying, right? So, and this guy was like really passive. And he was like, I don't understand. And he was kind of a little bit feminine also. And, and I don't understand. And da, da, da. I said, well, well, you know what? We're going to do the search warrant. We'll get you up to the office. We're going to explain everything to you. And, and so we went in and actually, should we, we, I mean, we looked for like three hours. And, and we looked for a while. We searched high, we searched low. We went everywhere that we possibly could. In the attic, underneath, I mean, just. Air uh, vents. That's right. Air vents, crawl spaces. I mean, I mean, uh, and didn't find shit. Uh, the, I mean, other than some, some gay porn, uh, uh, adult porn, right? Uh, uh, but we didn't find right. no. Well, he had some VHS tapes and stuff, and we had to take those because a lot of times uh, they'll disguise the the porn on VHS tapes, and they'll put stickers off of other movies and stuff. So, I mean, we did collect some stuff, but it ended up, and once after we reviewed everything, there wasn't shit uh, other than some adult porn, which certainly uh, isn't illegal. So we take him back to the office. Bring him back to that same office that we had interviewed Sam in. And it's a small office, y'all. I mean, it's barely big enough for a desk and two chairs on the other side. And, you know, so we advised him his rights and did it on the, uh, the form, even though he had already advised him, but did it. You have a standard Livingston. Again. Yeah, it's the standard Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office form. And where you advise them of the rights and you check off each line as you read it, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during a question. If you can't afford one, a court appointment for you. And so they you know, signs it and he dates and the Gemini sign and date as witnesses. And then the bottom part is the consent to questioning form where it says, uh, I voluntarily consent to I'm paraphrasing. I voluntarily consent to answer questions now. I, I know yeah, I have a right to the lawyer. No threats or promises have been made to me, blah, 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 whatever. And then he signs it. And, I mean, he – we got him past Miranda was a big part. Uh, he didn't lawyer up. So I knew right then we were going to be able to do some good. For sure. And so – we start with them and we start, start soft serving them. Hey, you know, uh, you know, Sam. Yeah, I know Sam. And okay, tell me about your and Sam's relationship. And then he's like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh yeah, I think you do. And, and, you know, let's, you know, this will just make it easy. Uh, the, you know, your charges of forcible rape. Sam said he came over to your house to borrow some money or whatever it was and you forced him against the wall and, and raped him. And he, and he was like, um, you, have you seen the size of Sam? 
I said, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So, I mean, at first he said he didn't do it. And then Jim was like, okay, then have you ever had any type of sexual contact with Sam that he might could misconstrue as rape or whatever? And he was like, he didn't want to admit to anything. He's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister and I, I live for the Lord and, you know, start Again, everybody diverting your attention to somewhere else instead of what is actually going on. Right. And that's what he was doing. And I live for the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I was like, Hey man, everybody in church is an ex something. Right. And, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you don't love Jesus and, and that you're not a minister. As a matter of fact, I know you, you're pretty famous with, with, you know, music and stuff for the church. And I said, but here's the deal. You've got to tell what happened. You got to tell your side of what happened. And and I said, have you ever had sex with Sam? He said, and, and dead silence. And I'm like, again, I, I said, man, we don't care. We're not sitting here judging you. The, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And if, if you're homosexual or bisexual or whatever, we don't care. As, uh, but doesn't care about your sexuality. Exactly. And, and I said, but the deal is what we care about is you forcefully raping Sam. And he took that out. He said, you know what? No, I, Sam and I have been having sex. He said, he said, but I didn't rape him. And so when was the last time you had sex? And he said the other night when he came to my house to borrow some money. Okay. So we got him that far at least to change the story and admit to that they had had sex. Because uh, yeah, before they had, he didn't, and now he does. Right. And and so he's starting to loosen up a little bit, but he doesn't know what's coming. And, and Jim, tell him what you did. So I ended up sitting a little bit closer to him, and I started talking to him more about being the man of God and preaching and, you know, just trying to, trying to get basically win his side um win his acceptance if you will that way we can really get to focus on on what's at stake here which which is like what had been going on with sam and and others in the recording of videos and yeah and but for, for soften them up yeah, yeah you, and you did a fantastic job of softening them up and then we, we double closed in on him before we dropped the bomb which is about that we Sam actually told about the sex acts when they were kids with his niece and nephew. And he was like, Oh, and he just put his head in his hand, hands. And he's like, Oh, like moaning. Right. Oh. And then, and I'm like close in and put my hands on his leg and, you know, shoulder, shoulder, almost face to face with him. I said, Hey man, you just got to tell the truth. I said, I'm, I'm no, You've been praying about this for a long time. He's going, oh, and the um, I said, do you want deliverance? I said, I, you know, and he just just kept doing that moaning thing, right, Jim? He's going, oh, he, it, it. He kept doing it, hands over his face, like the body language just screamed out. He was just wanting to say what it is, right. get it over with, right? But need to accept that it was about to happen. Yeah, and so I pu- I pulled his arm down and gently. And, and, and Jim pulled, pulled his other hand down and said, Hey, I said, look at me, man. I said, look at me. I said, you are a mighty warrior for Christ. So the devil's going to fight you harder than he's going to fight an atheist or somebody who, who doesn't believe in God or, you know, doesn't care to try to lead people to Jesus. I said, I equate it to deer hunting. Yeah. I said, for the devil to take you out. And by these sins that you've been doing all these years, for him to have you underneath those sins, that's like killing the 30-point buck for it's not hard for him to take out the meth head who who curses God all day long or whatever. You know, they're already gone. I said, for him to get you, that's a big prize trophy. I said, why do you think he's been fighting you so hard? I said, but you've been praying about this. I said, it's Tell me that you haven't prayed about this every single day, been being delivered from these sins of the flesh. And he, and he started shaking his head. And, and we're now we're making him look at us, right? And so basically, 
you know, kept pressing him, kept pressing him and said, you know, if you want to be delivered, you got to tell the truth and the truth will set you free and tell him what happened to him. So that he kept his hands down. He looked at us and he actually started to admit what Sam had been telling us. Yeah. And, and, and the, the everything. All the way back, you know, and as as he started to admit something, we gently questioned him, and he got it back around to the niece and the nephew. And shit, he he said it almost verbatim from what they said, and that um, it it was after Sundays after church, and they would go over there, and then started out at kind of innocent thing, and then they they like watching a movie. Yeah, that's right. It, it, that's right. It, that's right. He 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 got porn, but and and then. I forgot about that. Um, see y'all, we are unscripted and unedited. The, the, um, he, he actually started with them on, uh, by showing them porn, uh, like, uh, VHS porn and then, and then getting them to masturbate and stuff like that. And then get them to do sex acts, uh, with each other. And that's, he would videotape it. Shit. He laid it all out, all out, just like that. And the, uh, he said it went on for that summer. And, but he, he denied that he continued a relationship with his niece and nephew. Uh, um, but he said that he and Sam continued to have sex over, over the years. So anyway, when he got done saying that, and I said, well, you know what, brother? I said, God doesn't always answer your prayers the way. You ask for them. You, you ask for, to be delivered and guess what? Now you've been delivered because your ass is going to jail. And we, and he was like, Oh, and I said, yeah, I said, you're going in. And you know, he said, he was worried about his brother and sister finding out all that. I said, but guess what? I said, you know, again, God delivered you. You prayed, you've been delivered because you can't do it when you're behind bars. And so freedom never hurt another person. Yeah. So we took him and, and booked him in. Um, and then we called Sam. Well, actually, you told me to cuff him first. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I, I played the point, you know, where to the point of the rubbing in the knees and, and shoulder to shoulder to, you know, to get what Jim and I called the juice out of him. And then as soon as he did it and we knew we weren't getting any more juice, that's when I said, you know, uh, guess what? Now you've been delivered. I said, Jim, cuff his ass. <laughs> and uh, took him down and booked him. So, and then we went back to the detective's office, and this is where the name of the story comes in. <laughs> so, y'all remember this. There's a few moments in your life you're always going to remember no matter what. And so, we're sitting in the detective's office is divided into two sub- subcategories. There's the main office, and then they had the back office in the back. Now, I could tell you it was a Friday because they have a restaurant outside of in between uh, Springfield and Killian, Louisiana called Charlie's. Yes. The food is fantastic. And actually, oh, yeah. I mean, just, but every Friday, catfish. that's for the fried catfish. That's right. Every Friday, the office would order from Charlie's catfish boxes. And, and the rest of Louisiana. Yeah. I read a line out the door and the, the, uh, my stomach's growling right now thinking about it. But the, this now it's been it's getting late in the evening and we, we had that guy in there for hours and hours and the regular detectives got off at four. Jim, I I don't know we weren't working nights. Nice. It doesn't matter. So we go in and we were and, working nights, nice, but we were working the case too. So we started early. Oh, than we typically did. That's what it was. We had to. Uh, we called Sam in. Uh, we we're waiting on him to come in. We were going through those VHS tapes and stuff, looking for child porn, waiting for him to come in. So Sam comes in. And he's y'all. Sam's a little flamboyant, and I mean, uh, I don't know how else she describe it. I mean, I mean that's just his, cho- his you know, his chosen lifestyle. He's, uh, you know, yeah. Well, um, he 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 comes in, and, and we're talking to him, and and uh, Chuck Watts was in the room, and, and yeah, well, yeah, that, that he actually admitted to that. I mean, he that, that's how he made his living. He was a drag queen. Mm-hmm. And he he did shows, so he he had the voice and the personality and all that. But he he comes in, 
as an entertainer. That's right. Yes. Good point. He was putting on a show and it's when Chuck and, and then Calvin Ballard was in there also. And I don't know if, if Robert Arlon might've been in there. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So they, uh, we're doing, I'm looking at stuff and, and, uh, Jim's typing up whatever. And so Chuck and them, they've already, they've already crushed their Charlie's, you know, a couple hours before. Oh yeah. We were starving. Right. Been sitting there for a few hours. Yeah. And that, and so the, they, they start to just talk to him and bullshit with him and stuff like that. And, and, uh, he was talking about doing, being the drag queen and, and doing the shows and getting limos and all this stuff and that we should come party with them and and stuff like that. And Chuck says, and I'll never forget it. Chuck, uh, I I call him dear old dad and Chuck Weiss. And, and he said, let me ask something, Sam. He said, you know, um, I'll just be kind of curious as to what, what you and your friends would think about Calvin Bowden right there. And he pointed at Calvin. Calvin looked up and his eyes got big. He said, you know, would they think he's a handsome fella? And Sam said, yeah, yeah, he's pretty cute. He really is. And then he turned around and he pointed at me and he said, but that man right there, they would eat him up. He's tall. <laughs> dark i got it. meanwhile i'm i have a piece of catfish in my hand i'm pouring hot sauce on and i'm looking at him and he's he's tall and he's dark and he's handsome and he said he's just scrumptious look at him eating a catfish with that hot sauce he said mm, he's a cajun queen and i was like fuck and uh, y'all have to understand you have to understand cops Cops loved rib other cops and joke, et cetera. And they, at that time, people were spitting out food. There wasn't a dry in the room, and except for mine. And I mean, I wasn't really offended, but I was, I said, Sam, I mean, it is howling laughter, Jim Raffman included. And, and I said, Sam, I, he didn't know what he'd done. I said, I just want to tell you something. I said, I just really want to thank you. And he said, what did I do, sweetie? And I said, you just marked me for the rest of my entire law enforcement career. I said, I will never live that nickname down, Cajun Queen. And he was like, oh, but you are. You was a Cajun Queen. And it was like, whatever. So the the we wrap up with Sam and to the on the Cajun Queen part, y'all. I mean, to tell you how far and, and how cops carry it. The, like two days later, I was the sheriff called me down, Willie Gray's, and we were talking about another case. And I'm getting ready to leave, and he said, "No, hey, and uh, hey, Cajun Queen, uh, you, you know, take care of yourself and stuff like that." And it was another homicide. We worked him. Uh, uh, it was like a month later, and the Cadian comes in to run the strips. Uh, the the Cadian ambulance workers. You tell them what happened. No, hold on. You need to tell them what the sheriff said first. Yeah. <laughs> You go ahead. You tell it. So, <laughs> all right. So, we, you, you want to tell them about the sheriff, and I'll tell about Acadian. Well, the, the the sheriff was just like that. Something to the effect of Cajun Queen to, uh, take care of whatever. I, I I don't remember exactly what it was. I just remember <laughs> it the was sheriff. When you were walking out of out of his office, and he ended up making a comment. He was getting a follow up on something else, and as you're walking out, he was all like. Called you the Cajun Queen, yeah. You know, catfish and the hot sauce. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, he, he did. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then, so about a month later, you know, you get the you get familiar with a lot of the fire department personnel and uh, the Acadian ambulance personnel. They become your friends because you see them all the time, and they've always there to help you and to help others. So they're you know you build those friendships and relationships with them, and um, you know, sure enough, we're out on a scene and Acadian ambulance shows up and they get out. As soon as they get out and they see Woody, the first thing they say to him, like, oh, it's the Cajun Queen. Yeah. Like, it, it just it's, let us know that it's still spreading. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's wildfire. Yeah, it was wildfire. And I even got a radio call from dispatch one night. My call sign was, <laughs> was uh, LP-201. They were dispatched uh, LP-201. I said, go ahead. And they said, can you have the Cajun Queen give us a 1021, please? And 1021 is a phone call. I'm like, damn, never going to live it down. Never gonna live no. and, and y'all, one thing about Woody and hot sauce. So like, <laughs> when you think about people that when they go to work, right? Like, I had my little bag that I would carry in the, into the detective's office. I had like a computer, a charger, pens, paper, notebooks, voice recorder. You know the stuff you need for work. 
<laughs> you look at what he's about. He's got a computer. He's got his charger, a couple of pens and a notepad, and hot sauce. That's so funny. And I can't tell you, this guy would rather leave the house with a hot sauce than he would with a radio. <laughs> I'm serious. He would forget the radio, but he could bet your ass he's got the hot sauce. I, I, it's funny because I'm at my cabin right now when we're recording this, and Jim's in Orlando. But it, uh, I had to go outside to get my Yeti out of the truck, and there's two cup holders, and uh, the Yetis of one and my bottle of Louisiana hot sauce is another. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I have a, no, to, man, it's a sensitive item. Yeah, well, uh, y'all, to wrap this one up for y'all and tell you what happened uh, back to Sam's story, that um, it really shocked the shit out of me that, oh, let me tell you, first thing that happened was the minister's brother and his wife came to bond him out when, when they found out what he was charged with, uh, the forcible rape of Sam and they raised three kinds of hell. My brother wouldn't do that. And that guy's a druggie and da 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 da. And they're thinking, okay, if you only knew what he did to your kids, you know, and, and of course we couldn't tell him and then we never violate the, um, their, their privacy like that. But then I don't, you know, most of the cases like that, especially when you get confessions, other than going to probable cause hearings uh, and stuff like that, or motions to suppress hearings in court, I never followed up with them because we had so many. I mean, they and people ask about other episodes we've done. Jim, like, what happened now? And I'm like, I shit, I really don't know, um, because I didn't follow up with them. And now, if it's a murder trial, second degree murder, or something like that, I know what happens because I'm, or we knew what happened because we're going to stay there until the jury comes back with a verdict but on this case like a, a thousand other the, the i didn't know what had happened and and i never followed up and i didn't keep up you with it your initial parts until you stop getting a subpoena and at that point you know a lot of times they've taken a plea deal or whatever the case might be so you don't really know right. what exactly had happened you start working your other cases right i mean it's it's one thing that the certain that's going to happen is you're always going to have new cases daily so i guess it was like uh, well, I can tell you all, I, I, I think for like two years straight, I probably had at least, at least, I don't know, nine, eight, eight to ten court cases a week. Oh, yeah. That, that's how I made my extra money. They paid, uh, well, when, especially when you're in uniform patrol, you, you get, if you weren't on the clock, it was your day off. Back then, it was $25 a subpoena <sighs> up until three a day, but $75. And I work nights, and so I, I right. get off at 6 or 6.30, and I'm in court at 8.30, and I don't at, get home before when I get to be back home. Exactly. And that was, that was four days a week for me, but I, I, that's how I made my extra money because we didn't have extra duty mm-hmm. details. But So back to it, the um, I stopped at a convenience store off of Highway 90 in between uh, – you know, I shouldn't even say where it's at. I stopped at a convenience store, a real rural place. I'd never been in there before. And I walk in, I was off duty and I walk in and I go to the counter and lo and behold, he sees me and I see him and it's the minister working, working the cash register. So I, I you know, I, I didn't, I didn't ask him, hey, you know, what happened with your charge or whatever, you know, what have you, et cetera. But he, he didn't curse me or anything like that. And uh, we didn't say too much, but I left. But it, well, I, a couple months later, we ended up arresting Sam on um, some theft, theft, by theft by fraud. That's right. Somebody came in. Uh, he used our access uh, debit cards or something like that. So it just goes, to, oh, it, I mean. You know, I don't know what ever happened with it, but the, uh, I mean, he confessed to it, at least, at least to the part about the kid stuff and, and all that. And so it is what it is. I and mean, we did another case recently released. Um, we're not going to go back into it, but the evidently this guy's not in jail either. And he gave a, a confession. So you never know what happens with the DAs and all that stuff. Uh, on the, the charges. Whatever. Oh no! When we asked Sam, uh, Sam told us, "Yeah, when we, that's right, that's right." Sam told us, "I forgot about that." Sam told us when we arrested him theft by fraud. That didn't he say he paid him off or something? He was paid off. He was paid like some fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and and he went ahead and dropped the charges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that he didn't call me Cajun Queen, by the way, when we arrested him, and that I didn't arrest him for spite either. I mean. 
we had a, <laughs> we had a problem no, with the house. No, it it we had a victim. The victim, yeah. we, it just, it, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's it. The, um, the, and he, he did say that and that, um, that he, he, well, I don't know if it's true or not, but he, that's what he said. And he got like 15 K 15 K and dropped the and, charters. And, and the guy dropped the charters. So, but that's it. Y'all the, um, you know, this is different, certainly a, a break from Courtney's case and, uh, just sitting around telling you an old cop story and with a little bit of humor to it. Um, but it's, you know, real life, real crime. That's, that's, that's how it happens. So. That's it, hot sauce. <laughs> at least you didn't say Cajun Queen. All right. So, <laughs> uh, you know what? We're going to go do a patron episode right now and I'm going to tell about Hitman. So that, how you got Hitman. And, and, uh, all right. But y'all, we appreciate you. Sorry the episode's late. Sorry if there's any editing or sound issues. We're doing the best that we can. We're old cops. We're not sound. Go ahead, Jim. And we waited. We waited to the end of the day, just in the event if any if there's any updates. We want to bring y'all an update uh, as soon as we get it to. So um, to stay patient, stay vigilant. If you be sharing Courtney's story um, every day, more and more tips come in. The more that it's being shared. We greatly appreciate that, but please don't stop. We're right on the goal line. Keep sharing those stories. Uh, you know, you never know whose information is going to come in. Whoever has that tip, that leads to the final piece of the puzzle. Because it's so, so close. So keep sharing like you guys have been doing, and we appreciate all the love and support. Uh, we're going to keep working this case until it is solved and done. Yeah, and on the sharing part, y'all, the sharing outside the crew page the there's plenty of uh, posts on there about Courtney share it out continue to share it outside the crew page and we get tips and I'm not I mean, we're not we're not telling you that 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 we're not telling you that they don't have more than enough already but I'm telling you that if I'm going into a gunfight I want every extra bullet I can or you know so it is what it is, but share it outside the page. And thank y'all for sharing the crew page. We're almost at 7,000 crew members, which is just ridiculous. You go look at some of our, did we? Wow. We're doing over a hundred a day. Now you go look at some of our, our friends and uh, our fellow podcasters that have been around for a couple of years and have like really, really big shows and, and, the, and their pages, they don't even have like 2000, uh, uh, private members right so it's a y'all the crew page is huge if you're not a member of the crew go ask to join it it's a private page and and we share everything true crime related and of course a lot of the focus has been on courtney and it's going to continue to be to get justice for courtney but it's a fantastic group and let me tell you something we have the best moderators in the world the dream team moderators now fortunately some of them come and some of them go for different various reasons, but we love them all. Uh, but the, they will take care of you. If you have a question about patron or a post or hey, if somebody posts something shitty on the crew page, you can hit a tag, a moderator in it and, and they'll, they'll go in there and they'll handle it swiftly. Unfortunately, when you get 7,000 people in, in, in seven months, because we didn't start the crew page until after, after like March or something. And unfortunately, when you get that, you get a, you get a few people who are, who are turds. They're shitheads, and and they're shit stars. And and so we, I'll tell y'all this because the how Jim and I work so well together is he's a yin to my yang. And if you heard me say this in areas, he's strong and I'm weak, and vice versa. Well, one of the areas Jim is a whole hell of a lot stronger than me is being diplomatic because I'm quick. When I flash, I flash. I'm like, fuck you, get the fuck off my page, da 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 da. And then Jim's like, what you, let me handle this from now on. So, but the, I guess that's it. Doesn't mean I can't flip either. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 You really don't want to see him flip. And when Jim flips, we're all in trouble. But he's a whole lot more diplomatic than me, and that's great. And and so, uh, if you're really a, a turd or a butt munch, and and you're out there bad, uh, um, and moderators have to bring it up, or if it's a dispute or whatever, 
guess what? Jim Raffin is going to be the one uh, handling your case. <laughs> it, it, it's few and far between that it happens. No, yeah, yeah, but it's going to happen. Keep in mind, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff about Courtney on there as it should be, and just know that some of the family's on there too, and you just need to be respectful and understand that, you know, of, of what, what they've been going through. I mean, 15 yeah. years. That's just, My God, I, I can't imagine 15 seconds, let alone 15 years yeah. um, that they've been going through and. Hey. Uh, so just try to be mindful of that, but most mostly everybody out there does a darn good job of that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and hey, lifers that the remember the crew before we took Courtney's case on. I know, um, just just be a little bit patient with that, okay? Because all her family and friends are on on the crew page, and yes, I know it's a it's a the crew page is a true crime genre page, but this one. Just, I mean, hopefully, won't be much longer. Just, um, so I don't know what else to say yeah, about I that. I understand, you know, we have stuff on there about Courtney as we should, but it's, it, I'll tell you, there isn't a day that goes by where I don't wake up or Woody doesn't wake up and we look at that page, we look at that photo, we look at the comments from the family and go, I know what my purpose is. Exactly. I know what my purpose is, and my purpose is to get out there and make something happen for this family. Yeah, man. You know, that poor family's waited 15 years. I'm going to tell you, they are wonderful, they are sweet, loving great family. People. Great they people. They really, really are. They, and they and, uh, they really are our family now. Every time I look at, I see Courtney's photo, it's just a reminder. And it makes me drive and push that much harder. You know what? I would do that with anybody else, too, that we were working with. That's right. But Courtney's our focus. And That's Courtney's right. going to get justice, and we're going to seek it. We're going to find it, and yeah. we're going to solve it. Yeah. Which is pretty much already done, but we just need to finish the touches. Right. And y'all, we're getting requests from all over the United States, probably two or three a day to look at other cold sure, cases man. and stuff. It's a lot. And, but what I tell them, uh, and, and I'm telling y'all now, if you're out there listening, if you send that in right now, I'm, I'm going to respond to you. When we get done with Courtney's case, Jim and I are actually going to sit down and we do kind of read them as we go through what you send to us and stuff. And we kind of, not, I don't say prioritizing them or whatever, but and, and we're going to correspond back with you. Um, but I mean, until we get justice for Courtney, we're not going to work anybody else's case. And we don't, don't stop sending them, but it, I just don't. And, and the reason is, is, you know what? You would expect the same thing. If it was your family member, your loved one, you would want 100, 100% of our attention at all times on right. your family member's right. case. And so, you know, that's just the principle that we live by. And we're going to honor that. Um, you know, Courtney's family deserves 100% of our attention until this is over with, and that's what we're going to do. And then when we move on in the future to the next case, whatever, wherever that is, that family will get 100% of our attention as well. That's what they deserve, and that's what they're going to get. Right. And, and so, anyway, we love y'all and appreciate you. Um, bear with us. We're, we're doing some. We're doing some really special things. We really are. And and I know we're blessed. And Jim, I'm blessed to have you as, as a full-time partner now, man. And, uh, Appreciate it, brother. The, uh, we're going to do some great things. So, hey, lifers and patron members, geez, I, I, I got to say it about patron, y'all, but just because there is no way we could have – no way we could have worked this case financially. And we had – we're not even anywhere – near to making a penny i can promise you that uh but patron members without your support we couldn't have done it we couldn't bring this case home for, for our, um courtney so we really appreciate that and the all lifers we love you if you can't be a patron member we totally get it just continue to like us and share us um and leave us a review y'all on itunes or wherever you listen to uh podcasts and that helps the show and and helps us keep us you know, in the top rankings like we are. And so, um, I don't know all the other podcasts or stuff I'm supposed to say, Jim, the, but the, <laughs> we love y'all. We appreciate you. And last words, Steve. Thank you for everything. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all the support. We're going to keep driving it home. Just stay tuned because it's coming. Yeah. I can promise you that it's coming. Okay. Keep Detective Tanner in your prayers. Chief yes. King. Yeah. Uh, all the law enforcement officers that are out there all around the world, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Same with the first responders. And, hey, one other and thing. The military. On Monday is Veterans Day. That's right. And all the veterans that are out there, even though I'm one, I thank you. Woody thanks you. Yeah. Our entire crew thanks you. Right. We thank, uh, you know, find a veteran on, on Monday and say thank you to them because that will mean more than, than you ever know. 
uh, those that have had their family members have lost soldiers and whatnot. We are forever um, grateful for your sacrifices and, you know, being a veteran, I, it brings tears to my eyes. Uh, but I can tell you, we absolutely love you and happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Absolutely, man. And hey, Jim, I know I'll talk to you on Monday, but happy Veterans Day to you too, buddy. Thank you. And, and then uh, thank you for your service and the, the, we love y'all and um, peace until next time or ever. Don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace.